0: Folks, This is Abel James, and thanks so much for listening to The Fat-Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results. Today's episode of the show is with Mr. David King, Austin's number one personal trainer. After helping thousands of clients drop fat and improve performance, David now also uses his consulting chops to teach personal trainers how to work smarter and get results. So if you're a personal trainer, consider working with one or want to help others lose fat and get healthy. This show is a must listen. So David and I actually teamed up to create a program to help personal trainers up their game called Personal Trainer Excellence. And we're just opening up the beta version. And if you'd like to learn more about how to get faster results with your clients, spend less time on busy work, and also increase your revenue, you can check out Personal Trainer Excellence at fatburningman.com forward slash PTX. And we actually have uh, put together a lot of free materials on that page as well. So there's no need to purchase the entire program uh, there's loads of content for you at fatburningman.com forward slash PTX if you'd like to check it out. All right, so on to the show with Mr. David King. We talk about why fruit makes you fat, why personal training clients lie, how many carbs you really need, Paleo Light, and much, much more. All right, let's go hang out with David. we're here with david king who's austin's number one personal trainer a fitness entrepreneur and an absolute man beast how's it going dave
1: it's going great this morning abel thanks
0: awesome so we were just talking before this call one thing that i'd like to start with is a humdinger of a question what you do is is basically change people's behaviors you take them from a place of knowledge and learning or lack of knowledge and you bring them to a place where they're actually changing their behavior. I think anyone out there knows that that's one of the hardest things you could ever do on the face of this earth is is trying to change other people or guide them in a good direction. So, how in the world are you so successful when it comes to changing people's lives?
1: Well, you know that's a that's a really good question because it's when you're talking about being a personal trainer, it's actually not so much about knowledge. You know, mo- most people that that come into training are pretty familiar with you know not eating too much. Uh,
0: yeah, people- and doing burpees and stuff. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Surprised when you say, hey, it's probably a good idea if you eat less sugar, uh, you know, things like that. But uh, it's actually something that I learned from a former career. I was a management consultant. If you've ever seen Office Space. Yeah. Dangerously close to that movie. Like it, it's That's uh, hilarious. It's you knew that
0: I was a management consultant, too, right?
1: No, I did not. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, so
0: we were Bob and Bob, essentially.
1: It, yeah, exactly. With your arm on the, the cubicle saying, "If you know, when you get a second, if you could get me something. But when you're in that job. I learned the only way to influence somebody where you had almost no power was through data. And yeah. the human mind is extremely responsive to data. And so people think they know what they're doing or they, they will say that they know have no, have no idea. A lot of people have tons of education on nutrition or what they think they know. yeah. And many times it's just putting the information in front of them. So my job is really to get them to... Uh, take to honestly take a look at what is actually going on and it's, it's really no different than Dave Ramsey doing it for money or something like that where you just take an honest look at your life or like at your Relationships taking an honest look at your food it, to a person and I work with you know people who are extraordinarily successful in other uh, areas of their life and they're, yeah. they're completely floored about what's actually uh, going in, in what they're consuming and at what they're actually doing for movement or, or for exercise. And so putting that into numbers, uh, I actually have people track their food. That's really the number one thing. I mean, yeah. it's not a big surprise there. There's something called my Pal that's out in the, the internet universe. Now application on a phone that, you know, I've been doing this for a decade and it's by far yeah. the easiest one to use, but the, I call it pie chart fitness because they, they send me a pie chart every day with macronutrient breakdowns, you know, and unless they're masochist, right. Just trying to prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. They see those macronutrient breakdowns and, and somebody can't send you, you know, 78% carbohydrates more than two days in a row before they're like, you know what? Maybe I should eat, you know, one less serving of uh rice or or less bread or no bread or some, something like that. But that's that's really a, a critical piece, is is data to change people's behavior.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. And when it comes to uh making big changes, I think a lot of people they're tempted, especially when they're first getting started, like getting back in shape or getting in shape for the first time. They want to make these massive, huge changes going from one place and then basically doing a 180. Do you find that that's an effective strategy for some people or is it more about those little changes in the data over time?
1: You know, it, it is. I think, Abel, it's it's unique to the situation. And yeah. what I do, I'm what you would call the last house on the block guy. So (laughs) when you've tried the 72 other ways to shed yourself of extra body fat, you typically will find me or somebody like me. And what I do for the first three weeks is actually have somebody – I I put them into a little game I call fitness rehab. In other words, like when you go into regular rehab, right, there's no drinking, right? So you can get a clear picture because you don't have – it's the same thing with food. You don't have a you don't have an eating problem. You've probably got some sort of living problem, right? It's yeah. a bad way. It's just not paying attention to stuff in your life because people turn to food for stress and life. Right. You know, life regular life just creates stress, right? And so you know, food's not going to land you in a jail cell or a bad relationship. You typically. Uh, so people, you no. Know, <laughs> Hopefully not. Yeah. So people, uh, you know, so people turn to it. So what I do for for twenty one days, I typically have people eat from a master list, right? A very yeah. strict list of food. So when you go strict for the first two, you know, two to three weeks, I feel like it helps you get a clearer picture of where you are. Especially because when people come to me, able, they're it's not like they're eating four quarts of ice cream a night. Yeah, they can really get uh, their fingers on where that they're ingesting too much sugar, where they're eating too many calories. That the reason that they feel like they need to nap at two o'clock in the afternoon is because they're eating too many starchy carbohydrates even though they yeah. even though they would swear up and down that they don't and by the way it's not upsetting to them they just it's just this huge realization that you provide people because sugar is in everything yeah and I'm sure that you guys talk about this uh, a lot in your other programs is you just don't realize that you can get to 30 40 50 60 80 100 grams of sugar before you can blink. Yeah. And that's my basic message to people. In fact, in my first meeting, I always said, if you eat, if you learn nothing from me over, you know, th- three weeks or hundred days or six months, you look for sugar, like it's arsenic in everything that you ingest. And you're going to be a lot better off. Wow. Now,
0: how does that compare to, or how can you use sugar calories and, 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 starchy carbs to fuel high performance? Because there's that whole other side of the argument too, right? That you need those in order to perform at your best.
1: Uh, because eating for, eating for fat loss and yeah. eating for performance are two different things. So you, uh, you can decide really which one that you want to, cause so, let's just say, for instance, somebody comes to me and they're saying, Hey, I want to run a PR and a half marathon. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really not the time to try to shed, you know, an extra eight pounds of body fat because you're going to need, uh, you're going to need some carbohydrates to fuel that performance. And the mix is going to be hard to time to try to get your, your body fat down. So yeah. let me give you an instance of what I'm saying is if you eat 20% carbohydrates out of, the, out of the pie chart and you're just exercising regularly. In other words, you're exercising 30, 45 minutes a day. You, it's just enough. In other words, you won't feel lethargic. You won't get that if you've ever been on, you know, absolutely no carbs. It puts you into that: am I alive or am I dead? Right? <laughs> that David at the dentist on YouTube. Is this real life? It, yeah. it really puts people in a space where they quit because it just makes yeah. them angry and frustrated. But if you eat about twenty percent carbohydrates, it's just enough to supply the nervous system and your your brain and your heart with enough complex carbohydrates. So that you can function properly, but it's not going to give you enough carbohydrates if you're competing in you know, a 400-meter race. Yeah, Does that make sense? It does. So if, you're, so if somebody comes to me and they say they have performance goals. So most people come to me, they want weight loss. And so that's why we, we go that direction. But if somebody's saying, hey, I want to kill this CrossFit competition coming up in three weeks – then, you know, that's, you're looking more like 30, 35% carbohydrates in their, in their nutrition program as opposed to 20, if that makes sense. So the answer to the question is it's, there's two different things and you have to address them individually. That's so cool. And I think a lot of people get that
0: confused, right? Because they go to a personal trainer and they're not sure if they're there for performance or for fat loss. And it's, it's an entirely different strategy.
1: And you know, and that leads into something that we're talking about today as a trainer is you have to ask that question. Yeah, you have to know what the client wants. And even if they're ambiguous, you know, dot, you know, get them to pinpoint down, hey, which is more important to you, weight loss or performance, because we can do it. You just have to tell me which one you want. Yeah.
0: Do you, do you find that there's a big difference between what people say they want and what they clearly actually want?
1: Yeah, no, it's humongous. Yeah, <laughs> there's actually a chapter in my book called the client is going to lie. Yeah, and it's not even like they're they're trying to be deceitful. I mean, they're paying me money to help them out. It's just that they most people that will come to a trainer have had a lifetime of rationalization and magazine articles and reading different blogs and what works and what what doesn't work. And that's one of the reasons I put people on that master list at the beginning, so that they shed about eight pounds. It's really and if you know what I teach is paleo light. It's I just people who like don't even haven't even heard of paleo. I basically put them on paleo light. In three weeks, they shed eight to twelve pounds. They feel incredible. They don't have to take naps in the afternoon. You know, they've got jump in their step, yeah. and they see like, okay, no kidding, this is how this is done. I don't, I don't have time. I'm a busy person. I don't have time to exercise for three hours a day. So, the, no kidding. There's, regardless of magazine articles or what people have told me or what I've learned, you know, tw- twenty years ago, this is how you drop body fat without exercising three or four hours a day. And yeah. and, and then we can we can go from there, but yeah, they just, they find out where they weren't being honest with themselves and it's not like they were even intentionally doing it, but yes. And of course they'll say, you know, things like, I don't care about the scale. Yeah. Right? That's like the biggest lie known to man. <laughs> All right. So anybody paying, usually I will to say anybody, but most people coming in to pay money, you know, they're going to get on a scale and they're going to judge, they're going to judge you as a trainer, you know, whether or not you can, you know, make that, make that happen.
0: Yeah. So what do you do about that? Because the scale can go up and they could be making huge
1: progress. And it is, uh, it, first off, we explain how the scale works. And so one of the, one of the, the, the first things that I tell clients is, is, you know, there's 3,500 calories in a pound of fat. And so if you lose three pounds in one day, you know, that's nearly 12,000 calories that you would have had to burn off. So yeah. unless you did an ultra marathon in the first, you know, week <laughs> like four times, that's right. Yeah. That's, that's not happening. And so the the scale is really a reflection of water and waste most days. And it's like a business trend where it ticks up and down with the lows getting lower. And it's just meant to be an indicator. And so, of course, you take many other measurements. And, you know, the best one is the size of the clothing. I mean, there's there's no doubt Mm -hmm. about it, is that if your size of your clothing is going down, typically your body fat is going down. Because a lot of times you can even lose weight and still stay the same size because your body fat is not dropping. Like if you're not eating yeah. enough protein and you're losing lean mass, your genes won't fit differently. And it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> and That's why people, people quit. So that's why we try to educate folks on you know, being able to get sufficient protein and you know, knowing that their kidneys aren't going to shut down you know, if you yeah. eat an extra chicken breast per day. Right. And how often does it happen that, that people you know, get your
0: advice, start following it, and then say that they're following it still but don't?
1: Okay so I I make sure and I see, I don't I, I don't ever leave any of this up to chance because when okay. hires me to get results it's my responsibility to make sure that they get them so first off I have an exciting game for them to play so it's just not like hey you're just going to eat egg whites and chicken and oatmeal and broccoli and you're going to do that yeah. over and over and over again you know for the rest of your life so it's a practical game I have them play because it's never about ability it's yeah. always about motivation right most people can do this So, you know, it's, you know, hand to mouth. And so if you keep, you know, you keep them excited, they can, they can move forward. But they text me that pie chart. They log in my fitness pal every night. They text me that pie chart so that when I get up the next morning, I can say, you know, excellent or girl on fire or great protein, (laughs) little less carbs, or, Hey, you only ate 9% carbs yesterday. You're going to have to get a sweet potato in. Otherwise you're going to get frustrated and irritable. And I won't hear from you for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, so it allows you on a daily basis to keep them excited. Plus I use a, uh, I use an auto emailer to get people an email every single day with a little tip and a feel good mission so that they get that constant contact and it creates a relationship. And that's one of the things in my book is that the, the really, one of the big keys to helping people change their behavior is an environment of ridiculous honesty and, yeah. and trust. I mean, it's just the same in any, in any good relationship. But it's super important to develop that where they're not – look, you're not disappointing me if you don't do well. It, yes. it's, it's just an honesty thing back and forth where I can help you and I can support you. And so if you can engender that type of atmosphere, uh, people will typically be more honest with you, be more honest with themselves. And, of course, they'll get excited about what's going to happen to their body and to their brains. How do you cross that bridge of trust, that, that
0: trust gap, especially at the beginning? Is it by getting quick results
1: Yeah. Well, it's a couple of things. And the the first thing is when you, when you meet a client is you want to ask them questions and listen to them. So if you come in as a personal trainer and try to put a bunch of goals on somebody, which a lot of, you know, rookies, I guess I would say do. If you've, if you've ever been to a personal trainer, so we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to get you in shape. And it's like, you're done. Right. They may pay you because they you know, want to lose weight, but it'll last for about a week or two. And they, but if you sit down and you honestly listen to somebody and what it is that they want, you know, and if they tell me, hey, look, I never want to get on a scale. And I said, well, just to measure your body fat, could you do it once a month? Yeah. Yes. And so you get you you go back and forth in a, in a legitimate, sincere conversation right off before you lift one finger or one foot or before you even talk about what a gram of sugar is. Yeah, uh, and it really it really helps to set you know set the table for, for being for being honest with each other, and then uh, if you if you ke- if you get them uh, to admit a few things, or if you will show them through your education. Some things that they might consider that really show them that you're going to be honest, like you're not going to baby them along, or you're not going to be a yes man. Yeah. It's really important. So, like for instance, when I go to have a first chat with somebody, I come in, I sit at their table, and I, I call it this is your this is called the this is your last chance to back out conversation. I like that. And so immediately, you know, they're like, okay, what are we going to talk about? So it sets the yeah. tone, like, hey man, we're this is serious business here. You're about to pay me a lot of money. And you're going to make a major change in your life. So let's get honest. And that, that really sets the tone.
0: Yeah. And you find that people tend to keep up with it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I will tell you, I switched about six years ago from being what I would call a traditional personal trainer, you know, where you go and you do that 90-day thing and you get some yeah. to lose 30 pounds. And, you know, their, their eyeballs are popped out with intensity and dedication and commitment. And they're telling all their friends, like, I don't care, just don't come near me, right? I'm just going to yeah. eat this like cardboard. And I'm going to make it through. And, of course, they make a major change. And then and then I would have people calling me, you know, a year or two later and they put all the weight back on. And and it's it bugged me. It bugged me as a personal trainer. Like I'm I don't need this job security thing. Right. There's enough people out there struggling with their weight for me to have business. And so I began to really dig into the behavioral part of it. And how could we start from day one to talk about long term fitness? And so that's when I got into this mode of fitness rehab and looking at other areas of your life that are affecting your ability to reasonably make decisions about food yeah. and how to get those things cleared up as you went through this nutritional structure process so that when you got to the end of it, you would see that there's much more to your you know, being a little out of shape than just you being out of shape.
0: Yeah. Now, what do you think about excuses in general? Like, Do you find that there are a lot of really good ones and you'll kind of nod your head and be like, Oh, absolutely. My hands are off you now. Like I mean, I'm going to completely let you go on that. Or is it usually do you find that excuses are just that?
1: Yeah. So I, I really, you know, I don't take a hard line stance on that, but I will, yeah. I will tell you that I do take a hard hard line stance on somebody being ready and committed mm-hmm. and I don't want to waste their time. And, and, you know, conversely, they don't want to waste my time. So I'm really upfront with that. And then of course, you know, through, Uh, Through the development of their program, you know, it gets challenging because if you've heard me talk about something I call the American fat train, you know, seven out of 10 people are (laughs) overweight. All right. And nine out of 10 people are not fit. So as soon as you start doing something like this, nobody else is doing it. And so your family, your friends, your coworkers, everybody on and on, uh, you know, trying to get you to do something alternative. Uh, But what happens is they'll get to you. And so they'll call and they'll make, they'll say, you know, I was just too tired tonight or I couldn't do it. And, you know, most of the time what I do, it will say, Hey, look, man, that's real life. So tomorrow, what are we going to do? You just tell me what you're going to do tomorrow. And we yeah. get back on and we rock and roll. We don't, we don't dwell on it. We don't dissect it too much. And, and again, setting the tone from the very beginning, they usually text me what their next action is going to be because they've already called it an excuse themselves. I don't have to point huh. it. I don't have to point it out. If you can set that tone from the very beginning, uh, and the expectation level between coach and client or coach and, and you know uh, athlete, you have that back and forth. Well, they'll correct, they'll self-correct, which is what you want for long-term fitness. That's
0: cool. So they're not making the excuse to you. They they realize that it's it's all on them.
1: Yeah. No. They'll they'll say, look, I know it's just an excuse, right? They'll start yeah. it out, and and they say, hey, look, it's okay. Really, I mean, it's done. What are we gonna do? It's a, yeah. life is about responding. And yeah. so what can we, what can we do to go, go forward? Does no, does no good to dwell on it only to look and see, Hey, what could we have done differently right. and say, well, you know what? I would have exercised as soon as I got home instead of like bullcrapping myself and say, I was going to do it at 9 PM. Yeah. And so you just get honest. That was okay. So today when you get home, do it at, you know, do it at five thirty, and we'll rock and roll. Yeah. So you didn't send me the pie chart and they said, well, I was going to send it to you in the morning. Well, Let's look at this. You get up in the morning, you get a phone call, and you're off to work. There's no way you're sending me that pie chart. Like, I'm right. it's like, so send it at night. Do the, do the food, send it at night before you go to bed, make it a habit, like when you brush your teeth, and let's just see if that doesn't work better.
0: Yeah. And do you find that people come in and they have never been fit before or they've always been a little bit overweight, and then you can get them to that next level?
1: Man, this is a really exciting part about the job because yeah. the, it, you, you, the answer is you get them on all ends of the spectrum. Right, or I guess on both ends of the spectrum would be uh, would be more appropriate. But uh, for instance, I have a gentleman who I famously joke with all of the time because he didn't, he hasn't, he's forty six years old, and he claims his last activity was tenth grade football. (laughs) Right, so you know he's just his joints are probably in great shape, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, he didn't take a lot of beating. So you know he's, but you know he's two hundred seventy pounds. You know he needs to lose seventy pounds, and uh, so you just start him off. And I talk when people say. You know, we're in the gym, and, and even he looks around and says, Man, nobody does anybody work as hard as I do? And it's like, Man, people have different goals. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But my belief as a coach and a personal trainer is that people, you know, after the initial assessment and the initial test, they will work intensely for what is intense for them. So if you can only do quarter squats because of your range of motion and your level of deconditioning, mm-hmm. then you're going to do 20 of them. And then you're going to rest for 20 seconds and you're going to do 10 more until you get you – know, do something that's going to accomplish moderate soreness. And so everybody gets on the boat where they get in. But uh, you know, as a trainer, you know you, you can read that and see what – you know, how to keep people safe and yeah. get them in uh, – you know, just levels of circuit training. You know, I mean CrossFit is a, is a heavy you – know, CrossFit is a heavy-duty circuit training. But, you know, back to back exercises where you mix up body parts and ranges of motion where you burn calories and get your heart rate up instead of steady state cardio, you know, is, is always going to be the, the quicker path. And so, you know, if they come in and they haven't worked out in 20 years, we start with it. You know, he lifted that gentleman lifted eight pound weights over his head when we first started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was a year ago. And last week he push pressed 145 pounds. Wow. Yeah. No, sure. He's totally stoked out of his mind. Right. He, That's awesome. Yeah, no, he's he's in the best shape of his, you know, life, even, you know, even before 10th grade football. Yeah, <laughs> that's killer. And, you know, then, of it's, course, say if you get some, you know, another gentleman who's 62 years old, you know, he was on the sprint relay in college, right? He set a yeah. state record for the squat, when, you know, in 1982. <laughs> so when he comes in, his goals are much different, right? Yeah. He wants to lift. And, you know, I put him through a few back, to, you know, we, we take le- uh, less rest periods than he's used to, but he's doing reps of three fifteen. You know, wow. 62 down to a full parallel squat. And so, yeah, it's, it's uh, again, what, listen to what exactly what people want from you, and then an evaluation of what their range of motion is. Don't start them off too quick, but progress them along. And, uh, you know, any, it's, it's just one of those things, man. I mean, I've trained 75-year-old grandmothers, and, you know, like this gentleman who's 62 and can jump through the roof. It's just, yeah. you can. it's your job to guide them along, keep them safe, and push them farther than what they thought they could do according to what their limitations are. And
0: how do you decide like if, if you are training yep. your f- first session of the day is with a 75-year-old grandmother and then you you know start training a 27-year-old CrossFit champion? Sure. Like <laughs> how do you make that mental adjustment? How do you know what to do from one person to the next?
1: Well, I will tell you personally, I take breaks in between my sessions. Okay. I've seen people who go back to back to back to back to back, and I, I don't know how they mentally make that adjustment. I always take at least 15 – every once in a while, I'll get stuck you know, going back to back. And man, when you've been doing this for 10 years, you can make that adjustment. Yeah. And typically, I've sat you know, in, in my car quietly, and you know, one of the points that I make, uh, something that we'll talk about later is an acronym I call a special workout. And the P in that is preparation. And so I've already got a note card made out and thought you know, for five or ten minutes on what I'm going to have this person do. So I, I, I pull out that note card, and then I go right into what warm-up I would like them to do, to what degree, what movements we're going to do. So it's, it's really about preparation to answer your question.
0: Yeah. Now, what about a lot of people come in, and they're just like, oh, my genetics are bad. Yeah. What do you think about genetics in general and, and that uh, excuse or explanation?
1: Sure. Well, let me tell you something. Genetics are a real thing. There, there, yeah. There's no denying that that gentleman that's 270 pounds uh, who can, you know, vertical jump about three inches, uh, you know, he's got he – his shoulders are so rolled forward that he cannot even put on a, a backpack. Wow. Um, his range of motion in his hips where he can't lift up his leg uh, are much different than this gentleman yeah. who runs on the sprint relay who can basically do any range of motion with his body and can do any movement. Uh, so some, in other words, you, all you have to do is look at Usain Bolt, right? And then, uh, and then look at, you know, look at an average citizen that's just going to buy groceries at HEB, right? There is an yeah. obvious genetic difference. So there is truth to that argument. Now, I will say, I've just got bad genetics. Like, well, what, is that, what does that mean, right? It yeah. means that it's frustrating and it's slower for you to shed body fat. And I understand that. Now, the question is, do you want to lose it or do you not want to lose it? Because you accept where you are with your genetics right here, right now. And I promise you, if you eat less sugar and a decent amount of calories, you're going to shed body fat. Maybe yeah. not as fast as this dude right across here. Right. But if you want it, we can do it and we can do it together. But yes, that, you just have to be honest and say, hey, look, I know it's frustrating. And if we were yeah. on a deserted island, you would be the last one to die. <laughs> and you know that would be a great talent for there. I know that's not that cool right here. Uh, but we are, we're going to get you to your goal. It's just going to take us a little bit longer. If you want to come with me, we can do this thing.
0: Yeah. And that's so true. And I can't remember where this came from, but lots of people have said it and I totally love it. Like the people who naturally have the six packs without trying anything at all are the first people to die in a famine. That's just like kind of (laughs) how it works out. Right. So there, there are different levels on that spectrum of where you're at, uh, from a conditioning perspective, from, Um, the viewpoint of hormones, genetics, all this stuff plays into it. But I think your point is really well taken. Like given all of that, what are you going to do about it? Right? Like what, what can you do to get better? Almost anyone can get better.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's really a circumstance when you say, Hey, look, there's nothing you can do. And if there's nothing you can do and that's what you believe, then, you know, I'm a big fan of letting people do what works for them. And if you figure out a year later from now that you want to try something different, then, then give me a call. But yes, I mean, the, the genetics thing is there, but it's totally something that can be worked with.
0: Yeah. Now, a lot of trainers focus on restriction and, you know, turning everyone into a cardio bunny. And I think that's been really popular in the past few decades. Yeah. It's starting to shift a little bit with, you know, CrossFit basically exploding and things like Spartan races and, and trying to make all this more exciting. But yes. what what do you find in terms of results for people who come in. They said, well, you know, I've been running two hours every day and I've been starving myself. Like, <laughs> what do you do in that case? What do you tell them?
1: Man, you are exactly correct. And thank goodness that the tide is beginning to turn on that because you, yeah. those are very, very rare cases these days. And so most people know that uh, uh, you know a, a boot camp type of of workout, when you say boot camp, what you mean is that you're doing resistance type activity. You're yeah. doing squats, you're doing push-ups, and you're doing them back to back so that your your lung capacity is being pushed al- along with your uh, you know with your physical exertion or with the resistance activity. And so there's not a whole lot of what you just described. At least when people Good. Uh, when people get get to me now, there is a faction of people that I train usually in their late 40s or early 50s that said, you know, I used to just run this off. Right. But what happens is like, hey, look, they don't have two hours to go run anymore. Yeah. So they say, well, what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is, you know, a CrossFit. uh, You know what I I like to joke around. What I teach is CrossFit light. Yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, you light and CrossFit light. I like it. CrossFit level one certified. (laughs) But, you know, it's like, hey, it's 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 uh, functional movements back to back in, in a uh you know, in a fashion that people can you know participate in that's within their limitations that, that can be scaled if you need to. And so, uh, I use one of the one of the emails that I send people is to look up the the acronym EPOC, uh, E P O C, that stands yeah. for excessive post oxygen consumption, and essentially is you know something that people have heard of, right? If you want to be able to burn calories long after you stop working out. You've got to do high-intensity, short-duration training or what most people might know as interval training. So even if yeah. you're on that treadmill, right, run uphill for one minute and then walk for two minutes and then run fast for two minutes and then walk for one minute so that you push your levels of conditioning. You start to sweat and then, of course, your body has to work you know, to recover for anywhere from 34 hours. If you've ever had that sensation when you get through working out you've got beads of sweat still on your head when you get to your yeah. car, uh, it's just, it's more bang for the buck. And so most people don't have the time to put, cause I've done it both ways, man. I've done the, yeah. I go to the gym six days a week, two hours a day, you do an hour and a half of weights and 30 minutes of cardio. You know, that's the old school way to do it. And believe me, there's no one way, right? That, that actually works, but people just live in a day and, you know, just don't have the time to do it. And quite frankly, it's just not that exciting, man. It just yeah. isn't, it's just nothing really competitive about it. You really have to be into that, really into it to go chase that, uh, to chase that down. Otherwise, you know, that's what, you know, CrossFit and things like bootcamps have really done is it, it makes it uh, more exciting to be an athlete again, yeah. to do repetitive movements that are, you know, what we call, you know, functional, right? Hey, do you want to go snowboarding? Hey, do you want to play tennis? Hey, do you want to go wakeboarding? I mean, to be able to get up and go do those things at, you know, age 63 or age, you know, 45 with your kids, it's just fantastic. It's absolutely yeah. fantastic to be able to get up and say yes to those kinds of things where, you know, a lot of times it would be, oh, man, snowboarding, that's for young people. Yeah. <laughs> so it is. It's for people who are in condition, Abel. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Now, I'd love to get a little bit deep here. You're an enlightened guy. You're a smart guy. Um, so. And I would assume you have your own strong opinions about this. When someone comes in yes. and they ask for your help. Yes they might say that they want a six pack or they want to lose a few pounds or they want to improve their performance, but what are they actually after? Because it's usually not that surface level, right? It's, it's something bigger than that. What do you find that people are actually chasing after working with them for years and so many different kinds of people? What are they after?
1: It's a few things. And on the, the rare occasion, you'll, you'll be getting somebody who actually wants those physical changes. Like they've yeah. filled every other area of their life and this is something that they need to work on. They're typically chasing a physical change because of some er- other area of lack in their life. You know, and anybody who took Psych 101 in college can yeah. figure that out. You know, most of my reading, you know, it, it, a lot of people can teach people how to do a squat and an effective one. That's not where my expertise is, right? I, I've read more than a hundred books on human on human behavior because yeah. the ability to get the message inside their, their head is where the power lies. And of course, when you get into this, you realize that, A closet that is completely messy that somebody has to fight through in the morning to find their clothes is putting some sort of weird uh, twinge in their mind so that then they go downstairs and the trash hasn't been taken out since the night before. Then they got to get that going. And then they back out and they realize they forgot something that they didn't prepare for their lunch. So they got to run back in. And by the time they get to Starbucks, all they want is a freaking scone because their (laughs) life is so miserable. Do you follow me? But it's really not that miserable. It was just three very preventable things that they could have worked on is the difference (laughs) between them having a glorious day and having a fantastic breakfast like the coffee that, you know, you're enjoying or, uh, you know, some uh, some eggs and some bacon and just having a great day at work. And so what I, I have little missions for people to do to address that kind of thing, because there's usually a lack of organization. Yep. Uh, maybe they're not handling their money the way that they would like to uh, to handle it. Perhaps they're not being authentic with their spouse or with their significant other. Um, you know, there's a lot of deep stuff there, man. That uh, I don't I don't address specifically. There's several times in my life where I thought, you know, it really it'd be really be great to make the leap to life coach, right? Yeah. And really help people in that direction because I see how what how necessary it is. But it's I, a thin line. You know, well, I've I've found that my ability to reach people through fitness is my avenue. So you come to me for weight loss. I'm going to take eight to twelve pounds off of you, but in the process, we're we're going to help you realize that there's areas of your life that are very uh, responsible for you getting in this position physically that we can address and we can address together with support. And the other thing is, you know, change is necessary, but it's also challenging. And, you know, people need some help moving, you know, moving through that. And also to see, you know, that those, you know, that those things are, those things are there. Yeah.
0: It's so true. And, um, I'd love to, we're already coming up on time. I can't believe it, but like, I would love to hear your perspective on, um, a little bit more around the performance versus fat loss piece, because what I find is a lot of people come and they want both. And so they, they do need carbs, but a lot of times there's, Uh, Even paleo people, you know, there are all these bars now that, you know, are protein bars that have, you know, 20 grams of protein and 35 grams of sugar, even though it's totally paleo because it's like honey or maple syrup or dates or figs or whatever. How do you find that balance where you are getting that fuel you need to do ridiculous stuff in the gym, but also you're not getting a spare tire? As a result,
1: you know, without getting into it into a unique situation, what the the baseline that I typically use is, hey, you got to be honest with yourself. If you're working out four to six times a week for 30 to 45 minutes, you don't need more than 20 percent carbs a day. Yeah, I've just found that to be totally true. Even if you're going to a CrossFit class two times a week and killing it, you just it'll it'll bug you for about a week. And then you'll find that it'll level it out, and you'll feel dynamite, right? Have you a have you a coffee about 20 minutes before you go to a class, and you'll you know you'll rip it up. But yeah. uh, if somebody is going to be training, let's say for instance a half marathon, and they're going to be doing long runs on a Sunday, like if you're going to run 10 miles, then that's going to re- the body is going to require more carbohydrates in order to take that journey without you. You know, feeling lethargic or hitting the bonk, so to speak. So, yeah. if you're exercising, you know, an hour and a half, you know, five or six days a week, then that is a signal for you to bump the carbohydrates up in the form of uh, sweet potatoes or fruit for you to get more fuel in that instance. Now, the trouble is, is that people have a tough time being honest with themselves on how much they actually work out, and so it's really, you know, not that hard. The people who are working out that hard typically will know. That that's them, right? They have the ability to create that mega intensity. Yeah. Know that they're training an hour and a half, six days a week, and that those carbohydrates are essential. Now, uh, then, you, then you go to the other end of the spectrum. And I'll just say this is, is what I call chubby marathon runner syndrome, right? So they get a program for running, and then they get a program for eating. Well, yeah. nobody follows that running program except for the world's elite. Uh, but they sure love to follow that eating program. Yeah. Right. And so, <laughs> so 65 to 70% of the people running the marathon are, are overweight just because yeah. they run so many miles, they feel like they deserve to eat. And, you know, if you've ever seen somebody who wins a marathon, right, they look like a starved chicken. Yeah. Uh, because that is the most efficient way to, <laughs> to be fast. And so, again, if it makes them happy, they can do what they want. I just, you know, w- want people to get honest with, hey, you have to eat consistent with your exercise and if you're not sure ask a professional
0: yeah now when it comes to fueling with carbs what's the difference between straight up sugar and like a sweet potato
1: well i would so when you when you're going out say you you have you have glycogen stores and so you're going to need access to those carbohydrates once your heart rate goes over 60% Of of its max, and you can access those by let's say eating a uh, you know consistently twenty to thirty percent carbs in the you know in the uh, say in the form of sweet potatoes or uh, so that you your liver is full of energy that it can secrete when your body demands it. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, now, if you're going to go to a CrossFit class where you're going to need some short you know like burst of energy. To eat, uh, you know, to eat an apple or to eat some strawberries or some blueberries, you know, uh, thirty minutes before class, you'll be able to burn that off and also retain the fiber, antioxidants, that kind of thing that you would, uh, you know, that you could get from the from the fruit. And so, eating fruit and sugar in and around a workout so that you can burn it off would be the more appropriate time. Otherwise, what's going to happen is, even if it's natural sugar, you're going to trigger insulin. And it's gonna go to the muscle cells and put about five to ten percent of the muscle cells, and then it's gonna go right down the street to the adipose cell and put, you know, put the rest in there. If you've ever heard this story before, you know, muscle cells are only so big, yeah. but fat cells are unlimited. So it's like uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you've ever seen the end of that movie, <laughs> yeah, they yeah, push the thing into the warehouse, right? That's your fat yeah. cell. That's why they can take people out of houses on cranes, right? Because they'll just continue to get bigger until your organs shut down. But yeah, Um, so yeah, eating. You know, sugar has to be used immediately or, or the, it's, it's most likely going to store uh, as, as fat. And so to eat it in and around your workouts, uh, strategically, I would, it would be the best word. To eat fruit strategically, yeah. I think, is the best, the best way to go. What about in terms of volume? What are we looking at? Um, well, I like to say that an apple a day keeps the doctor away, not a yeah. conference a day. <laughs> so you know, unless you are really training – I mean, unless you're putting in that two hours of exercise, this whole nonsense of eating four to six servings of fruit per day, yeah. it's just putting on extra weight. It's, yeah. uh, if I ever, I, I thought if I wanted to write a controversial book, I would, I would write a book called Fruit Will Make You Fat, uh, <laughs> right? It's, and believe me, fruit is absolutely healthy and good for you. But if you eat an amounts of it that are inconsistent with your levels of activity— yeah. We'll put fat on you. There is no no question about it. And so when people come to you and say they have a smoothie, I got blueberries, strawberries, I got some honey, I got some milk, I got some yogurt. It's like sugar, sugar, sugar. That's 100 grams of sugar before you even leave the house in the morning. That's yeah. how much sugar you should eat in three days, not right. one meal. And so that's really the the culprit. So there's just a little bit of, you know, if, if you can measure your fruit, like again, an, an apple a day, man, two servings of fruit a day is plenty for people who are you know, moderately exercising.
0: Yeah, that's so refreshing to hear. Now, let's talk a little bit about your book, uh, okay. PTX. You you have a lot of experience, not just training people, but also training trainers. Right. So can we go over some of the uh, top things that you find that make trainers more effective? Because I know a lot of people listening to the show aren't just people who are interested in fitness, but they actually are training other people or running their own gym or something like that. What are the, what's the most bang for your buck that you find?
1: Okay. Yeah. First of all, you know, the PTX stands for personal trainer excellence. And I I chose that because, you know, initially you would say, how do I become successful as a personal trainer? Well, in coaching personal trainers, man, there is an an enormous variety of definitions of what people consider successful. Uh, You know, people might initially go to money, uh, you know, how much weight you get clients to lose, you know, that kind of thing. But there is no debate on being excellent at everything that you do. And to go and so what I would say, really, the first piece of advice that I that I give people is that I would go list everything that you do in, uh, in, in with your business and with your clients, whether that be your website or your preparation uh, or talks you have with your client uh, or your your tracking and you go and you grade them. And I have a little thing I called uh, from is it a Pinto or is it a Lambo or somewhere in between and, you know, one being a Pinto and 10 being a Lambo. Right. Where are you at each section of your of your career or of your marketing or of your ability to convince clients to to do the right thing in spite of themselves? And so yeah. that's right off the bat. That's one thing that I get people to evaluate where they are, honestly. Um, and, you know, and then the other thing is that, you know, the, the, the think and grow rich. If you if you haven't read it, you know, you've read similar books. But, you know, he, he, he makes a very big point in there and saying that 98 out of 100 people have no idea what they want in life. Yeah. And so for you to establish what it is that you want, what do you want out of your career? Is it a certain amount of people you want to train? Is it a certain amount of money that you want to make? Is it a book you want to write? But to work towards something. Is extremely important. I mean, it's in any career, but it, yeah. in this career, it's you know the analogy is swimming out in the ocean with no land in sight. I mean, it just gets exhausting, even if you're a world champion swimmer. But it, you know, if you can see land, even if you could just tread water, right, in side yes. stroke, you can get there. So, establishing what it is specifically that you want is extremely important. Yeah, and you know, the other thing for a personal trainer is one of these. Deals that's you know been said over and over again. You know nobody wants to be trained by somebody who's in worse shape than them. Yeah. So you know unless you're writing a uh, a weekly article for Shape magazine or you've got your own DVD, right? I get that. Like do what you want. But if you want to make a splash, especially as a rookie trainer, or if you're trying to convince somebody um, that there there is a, a, a more appropriate way to eat according to their goals to be in superlative condition. I think is one of the things that you have absolute control over uh, you know, and people like they have enough on their mind. Is, is this the right guy? Am I spending yeah. too much money? Is this going to be hard? They don't need to be looking at me and going, I wonder if he practices what he preaches or I wonder if he <laughs> knows what he's talking about. I want them yeah. to have that answer as soon as they see me open that door or when they see me on my website or they see me uh, on a blog. It's like, I can trust this guy. And, you know, you have to deliver the goods. I mean, when you open your mouth, you've got to know what you're talking about and how to deliver that message. But right out of the gate, I mean, within three months, you can take yourself, like, even if you worked at a gym, from, you know, somebody who just came in to being indistinguishable at first glance from the top trainer in the joint through your look and whatever yeah. in whatever environment you work in, whether that's a, you know, whether that's a, a big-name gym or whether that's a CrossFit box, just be looking excellent for your genre is I think critical to to uh, to breaking in and uh, really affecting clients in a powerful way. Yeah, there, there's a whole communication
0: that happens without any voices involved within the first half second of, of seeing that person. Like, do I want this trainer or not? And I, I think it's really important to accept that that kind of comes with the territory, right? Like <laughs> if you're a personal trainer, you better be in great shape because you're teaching people how to perform at a higher level, how to shed fat. And uh, in, in a lot of cases, we don't really see that that that's the case.
1: Yeah, and it's not just on the surface either. I mean, yeah. you know it. If you're not as, as good a shape as you would like to be as a trainer, it's on your mind and you're thinking yeah. about it. And so then your message gets diluted. and then you, Yeah, and then you're distracted, yeah. Because then you're thinking, oh my goodness, they're thinking I'm not in shape. And then right. the whole message gets diluted. <laughs> you know, so it's just really important. It doesn't, it doesn't take that much time. You know, practice what you preach, So you know, as the saying goes. And you know, then the other thing, Abel, I think is extremely important is – the reading of books and listening to audio books. And yeah. this is this has made me from uh, a, a country boy from Muldoon, Texas, into somebody that I think can powerfully deliver a message. And I would say that a, a humongous, an enormous uh, impact on me is the books that I have read and that I have yeah. listened to. Uh, Think and Grow Ritz is an example from Napoleon Hill, right? I've read that book four times and I've listened to it on audio more than 17 times. Wow. Uh, just over and over. It is an absolute, it, it's, the, you know, it's the forefather of every motivational thing that you've ever read in, in your life, whether you know it or not. And it, just to get those, there's, a, there's uh, something in there that your listeners can go to. You, you can Google it, and it's called Self Analysis Questions. Yeah, and you can go through there, man. It will kick you right in the stomach with honesty <laughs> on where you are in your life and in your career, and help you to make changes. Yeah, and uh, it, and it's also got the thirty-one major causes of failure, and you know one of those things early on in my career was failure to look into the details. And I just I asterisk I started, and it was just something I committed to to make sure that I was looking into the details on my client's case, on what they were looking at, what you know what their physical conditions were. And so yeah, you, you can use it to shape you. So yeah, books and audio books, I think, just to dive in. I've got a list of, of 50 that I usually recommend to people in different, you know, like mental and physical yeah. and spiritual, that kind of thing. Uh, oh, I'd love that. Maybe we can put that in the blog post for the show. I can send that to you. You can put that. I'll, I'll send that list of, of books over cool. to you. And then the last thing I'll say is I have, I have never met a personal trainer who had their money on point. Hmm. Every time they come to see me, I say, what's your money like? because if your money is not right then you're yeah. not going to be able to be truthful with a client because you're yeah. so worried about losing them that you won't be able to be honest with them and so to you're not going to fix it overnight but to make a point right from the very start right now you know go get Dave Ramsey's book go get I I personally like one called Financial Self Defense huh. game his name is Charles J Givens he was a, he was written back in 1992 he's got a mustache but the whole system <laughs> it's based on values and what yeah. your values are and how your actions are consistent with your values. And it, it really just got to my soul. It changed the whole way of you know, about keeping more of what you have before you start earning more. Yeah. Uh, and it was just very powerful. So th- those are the things that I would really say, you know, you can, I mean, work on tomorrow to, to it, it really shaping yourself so that you can have maximum impact on clients. And that's what the book yeah. is about. I love it. I love it. Well, we're out of time, Dave, but this has been awesome. I'm sure uh, a
0: lot of the trainers, especially, have been really excited about this show because you're just full of knowledge, and there's a lot more. So, where can people find you online?
1: Okay, well, you can reach me email at ptxprogram at uh, You can follow me on uh, YouTube. If you, I think it's a uh, PT Excellence is the is the name. If you Google yeah. P- PT Excellence, there's there's a bunch of videos up there. of Me talking about uh, excerpts from my uh, from my book. And then on Facebook, if you go in there and search for personal trainer excellence, you can pull up a Facebook page where, uh, you know, I'll I'll put up some different things that help me on a daily basis to you know be a better trainer, better person. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're welcome anytime,
0: and happy holidays. Thanks, Abel. You too. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Got it. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Fat Burning Man Show. If you'd like free fat burning tips, muscle building goodies, as well as a free ebook and video course, head on over to fatburningman.com and enter your best email and I'll shoot those right over to you. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, I'm at facebook.com forward slash fatburningman. And on Twitter, my handle is fatburnman. Got some killer shows on the way, but in the meantime, be well and I'll be talking to you guys soon. Cheers.